Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Night Sisters podcast. I'm your host, Madison, and I'm so excited for today's episode. This is going to be the first of many episodes highlighting Star Wars stories written by women. And today I'm joined once again by Meg Dowell. So Guerrero used to say one fighter with a sharp stick, nothing left to lose can take the day. Hi, Meg. Thank you for being on today. Hey, how are you? I'm doing so good. How are you doing? I, I, I am great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this book with you. I know that we discussed you coming on and talking about books a while ago. So, so glad we're finally doing it. This is such a good one to get started with. So for everyone who doesn't know, this week we are talking about Rebel Rising, which is written by Beth Revis. Um, this book came out in 2017 following the release of Rogue One. And it's just a fantastic book. I have really wanted to do a series about the women who write Star Wars and um, cover all of their books, which is a ton of them, which I love because we don't have a ton of women behind the scenes in live action Star Wars, but we have a ton of women writing Star Wars, which is my favorite Star Wars. (laughs) So this will be a spoiler podcast. We're going to talk about everything that happens in this book. And if you haven't read it, please shut down the podcast, maybe get the audio book and listen to that instead, because it's so well made. But we are super excited to talk about this. So Beth Revis is an American author. She's from North Carolina. She primarily writes fantasy and science fiction. And she's most well known for her series Across the Universe, which is not a Star Wars series, but super well-renowned fantasy sci-fi series, which I really want to get into. Have you read any of her other work? I haven't. And that's like something I'm really trying to get better at is like, uh, you know, we discover so many of these authors through Star Wars and I'm like, yeah, but like, I I think with E.K. Johnson, with Claudia Gray, like I have expanded, like I've gone over to their other work because their Star Wars stuff Mm -hmm. is so amazing. I'm like, I need to do that Mm -hmm. more because like, in order for these authors to continue writing Star Wars, they have to, you know, continue writing in general. That's what they do. It's yeah, ideally yeah. their career. <laughs> and it's like, I want to support them in the other things that they do. And there are so many books. It's hard, but like we got, I, you got to support, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying. Yeah. I, um, I've really want to read Across the Universe. That whole trilogy sounds amazing. But like you said, Claudia Gray is my favorite author. I've only read her Star Wars work. So I need to also be expanding E.K. Johnson, like all of them. I need to read their other work because I love non-Star Wars books. But in the last two years, I've only consumed Star Wars and I need to get back out there with like just fantasy novels and sci-fi novels and all of that. It's really fun um, because what is the trilogy, the Claudia Gray? I can't remember what it's called right now. It's it's set in space. I I feel oh, bad what? for not remembering what it is. Um, <laughs> but it's really fun to read a Star Wars author's work that's not Star Wars and notice the Star Wars inspiration that goes into their other work. Because yes. obviously if they're writing Star Wars, there there is at least a little bit of a fan. And it's like, you can pick out yeah. like, oh, that was totally a Star Wars <laughs> thing that she turned into her own thing. It's really fun. Oh, I love that. And like, obviously they got picked to do Star Wars for a reason. That's such right. a big honor. So their sci-fi has to be good. Like, oh, it is. I have yes. to, I have to read more. Yes. So Beth Ravis seems so cool because She was an English teacher until she became a full-time author. I believe that was in 2011. As someone who is like besties with all my English teachers, (laughs) I cannot imagine being her student and like, oh, my teacher's writing Star Wars now, you know? That is so awesome. Um, She is also the author of the upcoming novel, Princess and the Scoundrel, which comes out next August or next month on the 16th. Oh my God, I cannot wait to read that book. I am so uh, excited because we really haven't gotten like this part of Han and Leia's story yet in canon. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, I need like, it's going to be so good. And like, I, right. <laughs> I don't know what to expect, but in the best way possible. So like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pre-ordered it at Celebration at the um, Del Rey booth. And I have been checking. I keep forgetting the date that it comes out and I'm, every day I'm like, maybe it's out today. <laughs> like go on my little <laughs> app and obviously it's not out. I just need to remember the date, but I'm so excited. And when I picked up Rebel Rising to read it, I had no idea it was the same author. I totally forgot. And 
honestly forgot that Princess and the Scandal is written by a woman, which is terrible on my part, but also very exciting, which means I can cover it on the podcast. And I know a lot of people were complaining that, oh, it's probably just going to be a halcyon uh, product placement. But as someone who's one of my favorite books is A Crash of Fate, which was just a Black Spire uh, product placement. I don't care. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. And it was that one and the Black Spire book by um, Black Spire. Yeah. yeah, That one, too, because we were all like, oh, it's just going to be this Galaxy's Edge River. No, it was great. Both of those They're books are so amazing. Good. No. And like Vimerati is now just one of the coolest women in yes. Star Wars. So I cannot wait. I love romance in Star Wars. It's my favorite thing. That's why Lost Stars mm-hmm. is my favorite book. Yes. Um, so I was not expect. we'll get into this later. I was not expecting romance out of Rebel Rising. So hell yeah for that one. <laughs> um, and I know she's going to kill it with Han and Leia on their honeymoon. Come on. Like that book's made for me. I can't wait. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to start out with a quote from Beth about Jin. I think that um, obviously she's going to know Jin better than most because she spent so much time in her life. And she says, it's a reoccurring theme throughout all of Star Wars, but I hope it doesn't sound like a cliche when I say hope. Jin is a character with one of the darkest lives and the darkest fates of any other. I'd argue that her life is even darker than Anakin, Vader's, because Anakin made the choices that put him on the dark path, and Jin was thrust into it by the twists of fate. But despite this horrifically unfair life, Jin still had hope. There's always been a strand of it running through her as bright as a kyber crystal. I think that is such a good quote. That is amazing. I'm like, I'm tearing up a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. When I found that, I was like, that is why I and so many others love Jin so much because she's the embodiment of Star Wars. That's what Star Wars is, is this hope. And I think that um, with her story coming right before A New Hope, her and Leia are such beacons in the Star Wars universe. And they're very different. I actually saw someone describe Jin as the heroine version of Han Solo, which I love. <laughs> but they're very different in that Leia is very proper and Jin is a scrapper for sure. Not that not that Leia can't fight for herself, but right. um, they had such different upbringings, but they were both trained for one thing. And it was this this battle and this resistance that was implanted in them at such a young age. And I think that Jin, oh, I just, I've always loved her. I'm not even joking. The whole last chapter of this book, not that anything particularly sad was happening. I cried the whole time because oh, I remembered no. Jin was dead. And I was so upset oh, by the fact no. that Jin was dead. I know. I like, I knew the book was coming to an end and this was the last of Jin's like living story. Mm. And I was just crying. I was just like, why is she dead? I hate this so oh, much. I didn't even like really think about that when I was reading it. And I now I'm now I am sad. Um, yeah. well, it's, it's just like the thing about this book just overall is that it's so comprehensive in terms of like everything about her life that led up to exactly. Rogue One. But that's yeah. also a downside because it's all we're going to get because... What more could you add? Which is so unfortunate, but like it just, it adds so much weight to her story. And oh, I completely. uh, uh. Yeah. And as I was reading it, I was like, you know, whenever I've heard about Andor, I'm so excited, by the way, cannot wait for that show. But I've always been like, oh, I wish we had like a Jin's version. And this is Jin's version. We don't need a show because we have her entire life in this novel, which is fantastic. And I love that. But I'm so sad because we'll never get a gin show because we have everything we could possibly need. I mean, Catalyst has Jin as a little girl. This is Jin's life from the beginning of Rogue One through the whole middle part until when Jin's meets up with the Ali- Rebel Alliance. And then we have moments of her in Forces of Destiny, which is when she was like more that Liana time. Um, mm-hmm. We get mentions of her through Chas Nachatic's perspective in Alphabet Squadron, but we have 
all of Jin's life in canon. There isn't more. <laughs> and that's yeah. so devastating because I want more forever. I don't Me ever too. want it to end. <laughs> I know. So good. So, so good. So I guess I should I should give a little synopsis. So like I just said, Rebel Rising tells a story of Jin's life between her hiding um, from the Empire at age eight. Again, that opening scene of or that part of Rogue One where her mother is killed, her father is taken and Saw Gerrera finds her. We start there when she's a little girl and it covers 13 years of her life until her early 20s when she escapes from Wobani because of the Rebel Alliance. And they take her to meet the likes of Mon Mothma, Bail Organa. And then Rogue One begins and, well, we get a little bit of an overlap with the Rogue One novelization, which is kind of fun, but then Rogue One happens and then she dies. That's it. Like, this is her entire life. And we're going to get into some of the character relationships, but it just covers a lot of her and Saw, which I cannot wait to talk about because it was my favorite part of the entire book. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's get into it. So... How did you feel about Jin's characterization in the novel? It was so, so good and so heartbreaking. And uh, one thing that the author did so well is like showing her, especially in the very beginning, like how traumatized she was. And, you know, throughout you kind of, you know that she never really like overcomes that like as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Like she still Mm -hmm. carries that with her and will until the end of her life. Yeah. But, you know, just like, with that also showing her strength and showing her determination and showing that like so many times she wants to give up, but she's like, I, there's has to be something out there to keep fighting for. And so she just keeps doing whatever she has to do to survive. And that's just so important. Um, It's so relatable for so many people. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I, I watched Rogue One last night to prepare for this episode Mm -hmm. and oh my God, it, it just explains why she's able to look di- like that part where how can you watch the empire's flag fly or whatever? And, oh, it, it doesn't bother if you if you just don't look up. And she wasn't like that forever. She becomes so jaded mm-hmm. over her life. And when you've had to fend for yourself since you were 16, you you tend to not care about alliances and things like that, because all you need to do is survive. And I think that it explains so much about oh I have no father versus her seeing the tape of Galen when she really finds out that he does love her so much and so much of her life was this trauma of my father doesn't love me my father doesn't care about me he's a bastard and my mother loved me and she's dead and that's it and I think it makes that moment with Galen so much sweeter because it really was such a broken relationship. There was no coming back from it in Jin's mind. She hated her father. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, so good. I Do you think that it's important that a woman wrote Jin's story? I do. I think, mm-hmm. it, you know, there's there are a lot of points in this book where it's it's so, it's pointed out so clearly that like being a young woman mm-hmm. makes everything so much harder for her in the galaxy. Like she's, she's harassed, she's approached, she's watched, Yeah, which wouldn't happen if she wasn't a woman. And like, it's not, you know, a huge thing, but like it's Mm -hmm. in there on purpose because it just emphasizes how much more challenging it is for her and how much more, how much more energy has, she has to put into just getting through it, just surviving. And it's heartbreaking, but it was so important for a woman to write that because you really don't get it. you really don't unless you've 100%. been there. It's, yeah. It's a lived experience for sure. And it makes that element of Jenna feel way more real because it's not an interpretation of what women are like. It is what women are like. And I think that is so good. I like, for example, I love Charles Soule. I love Kevin Scott. I think they write women incredibly well. Yes. I think they do such a fantastic job at writing women. But I think that there is a specific touch that Beth is able to give that brings life to Jin's character that others, I don't think, would be able to do. They wouldn't be able to bring her so much heart and life. Right. Yeah, because you're right. Like on authors like Kevin Scott, for example, like so well done. Um, At the same time, like his his female characters, the, the books are not 
they're not told from their perspective in the same way that like this story is told from Jin's perspective. And so like, you know, because there's this whole thing in writing, like can men write women? right women yes they can Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so and many of them can do it very well and if it fits the story and you know it then it's you know it's fine I have no like I've I've read like recently books written by men from like a woman's perspective and it's fine Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that but there is something about like having a female character in a book written by a man fine Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's good but it's not from a true perspective um and that's why it's so important that's why it's so important to have you know women writing women in star wars like i it becomes this whole thing whenever you try to bring it up but like the reason it's important is because to really feel seen and understood when you're reading Mm -hmm. a book like this there is a certain um there are certain things that come with a woman a woman telling the story um, that you really just don't get otherwise and but it's also really hard to understand that if you're not a woman hoping to be seen in these books, uh-huh, uh-huh. we say it's important because it is. And we just, <laughs> we just need to be trusted on that. Um, that's yeah, really all, exactly. that's really all you can do. <laughs> no. And it's very similar to, I'd much rather read a story about a queer character written by a queer author. Exactly. I'd rather read a story about um, a black woman written by a black woman. You know what I mean? Like, I think it is so important because they bring that lived experience that just takes it to the next level. Even if it was good before it, it's, I don't know, art. I love it. (laughs) Do you feel like this book changes your perspective on Rogue One at all? I know we kind of just talked about like seeing certain aspects like Galen and all of that. But do you feel like this book has changed how you view the movie at all? So, you know, I first saw the movie shortly after it came out Mm -hmm. in 2016. And I read the book. I don't know if it was right when it came out in 2017, but pretty soon. No, it was 2018 when I read it um, because I just looked at my Goodreads this morning. So it it had been (laughs) a while since I read it. So I I reread it uh, just this weekend for this uh, episode. And Uh I had forgotten so many of the things that were in this book oh, in yeah. my head, it ended when Saw betrayed Jin and left her. Like in my brain, <gasps> like it ended there. And then it went oh, back wow. to the present day. And I forgot <laughs> everything that happened after that. Yeah. So I'm sitting here listening to this book and I'm like, oh, like all of this, how did I forget about this? And that's why we should <laughs> reread books that we like, because even if you like a book, there are things that you just forget. Yeah. So, you know, revisiting this book, like I want to rewatch Rogue One now because it does add so much and Mm -hmm. it does like explain, Mm -hmm. you know, why is Jin this way? And like, because in the movie we, we get her losing her parents and then it just skips forward Um, to have all of this in the middle to really explain everything that she went through. Like um, she fell in love. And then, I know. <laughs> and then terrible, terrible things happened. And it just, it adds so much to the element of like, she is just a broken person trying to survive. And that's how we find her yeah. at, in the present day in the movie. And like, it just, it makes so much more sense because it's not just she watched her mother die. It's not just her father was taken away from her and she thought he didn't care about her. It's so much more than that. And it adds so yeah. many layers and it hurts so much more to know that mm. She had to go through all this and she's not the only one. The thing about like mm-hmm. stories told around this time in the Star Wars timeline is that like there are so many people like her, so many young people who have lost so much and are just trying to get through it. And that's so like the more we get stories of like how awful the Empire is around this time, <sighs> yeah. the more it just it really sinks in that like so many different people were struggling for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, A New Hope has never been my favorite Star Wars just because, basically just because it's not the one I will rewatch when I want to rewatch yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. It's a good movie, but just not the one I'll like automatically go to. But that movie means so much more to me, just like Rogue One does, because we have all this context of like, this is why the Alliance was fighting so hard to win. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why it mattered. And you get that in the standalone story, but having all that context behind it just makes it so much more impactful. And that's the same thing with Rogue One after this book is you really understand why Jin didn't want anything to do with fighting the Empire and why she ended up where she was anyway. Um, Yeah. 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 No, that's so true. And 
Um, a lot of people interpret Cassian and Jin's relationship differently. I personally view them as just they're totally in love. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I know that they spent like a day together, but <laughs> just the way that they look at each other makes me sick in a good mm. way. It's so good. <laughs> but whenever I would think about them, I just I for some reason in my mind, all these years I've viewed Cassian as like, oh, yeah, I can totally see Cassian being in love before Jin. But because of how Jin is, can't really see her as the romance type, you know? Yeah. And seeing her time on school with um, Akshaya and Hatter, who Hatter is the boy that she falls in love with, is so heartbreaking Mm. because when you put it in context of knowing how Jin's life ends, she got a few years of peace, of just joy and living a happy life where you eat the same thing every day and you go to bed the same time every night. And your most exciting thing is flying, not outside of the planet, but just flying and hanging out in a meadow. And she was so happy after such a horrible life leading up to Mm. when she turned 16 and it wasn't forever. And that is so heartbreaking. She, I think it's almost worse to have that break than it is to just have a hard life because then you know what it could be like. And once you've lost that, then that's when all hope should be gone. She and she does kind of lose hope, but it it returns to her, which is wonderful. But I think that losing that stability after you worked your whole life to have it is just the most heartbreaking part of this book. It's horrifying. Um, Yeah, it it really is. And it's like you when things are really, really hard and they always have been, or it's all you can remember, mm-hmm. you don't know what better looks or feels like. Exactly. Um, and so to have experienced that and then have it taken away from you again, <gasps> like to to know that she still went on to do what she did after that. Yeah. It just, you, you have so much respect for her knowing mm-hmm. that like she lost everything. She finally found a life that could have been good. And lost everything mm-hmm. again. And it's like, she just couldn't win no matter what she did. Like she yeah. just wanted that peace and she just, the universe just couldn't let her have it. And it's not fair. Yeah. It, oh, it makes me so sad to think mm-hmm. about. Um, but I think that that's why it's so important. It was there. I think if the book was just pain and suffering for 13 years, it wouldn't have so much of an impact. As horrible as it is, I think that having her feel joy and then ripping it away ugh, makes me so, so upset. Um, so some of the important things that happens in the timeline, Saw finds Jin. I absolutely, I've always liked Saw Gerrera. I love him in the Clone Wars. Um, he's super weird and great in Rogue mm-hmm. One, his short part that he has, but I was not expecting such a like Mando and Grogu, Bad Batch and Omega, Obi-Wan and Leia relationship from them. He loved Jin so much. That man called her his daughter all the time. He he just adored her. What, what do you feel about their relationship in the novel? It's well, because of what we know of from the movie, you, you get like the sense that like they were close and then you know, whatever happened, happened and it ruined yeah. everything. And you don't really know what happened and you get all that in the book. And like to know that, you know, he he came and he rescued her and he he um was like, you're, you're with me now. And he took her away. Mm-hmm. You know, that could have been it. He could have like taken her somewhere and like he could have handed her off to someone and been, yeah. you know, keep her safe. It's fine. But he he kept her with him. And like, was that great all the time? Maybe not. Maybe she didn't need to see <laughs> all the things that she did. And maybe she didn't need to experience all of that. But he still knew that the safest place that she could be was with him. Exactly. And exactly. That just makes them being separated later on hurt so much more. Mm-hmm. And also to know to find out later that like, um, you know, she she found out that he was still out there, but wasn't looking for her. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, what what, what do you do with that? When like the person who has been your father figure, the person that told you like your actual father didn't care and then tried to take care of you and then just kind of left you to your own devices for whatever reason, it's man, it's hurtful. But like, 
Um, yeah. I, I loved, I loved the beginning, you know, when, when she was kind of growing up and he was kind of just trying to like figure out basically how to raise a young child. How because, to be like, a dad. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Um, I love that. And I love how like she, it just showed like how curious she was and how much he was trying so hard to protect her, no matter how close she was to all the things he was doing. Yeah. I, I love that. He brought in his friend Idrissa to teach her about her period. I think yeah. that that is so adorable because yeah. of course he doesn't know. He's Sagarera. He's, right. <laughs> I feel like the most removed from feminine hygiene or sorry, hygiene of people with those organs would be, yes. you know, he's yes. Sagarera. And so he brings in one of his lady friends who's been bringing Jin clothes because Saw just gave her big t-shirts to wear as dresses. <laughs> and... Has her come teach Jin about her anatomy and how to take care of herself and be clean. And I think that's the sweetest thing in the world because that's such a single dad thing to do. Yeah. That's just the most single dad thing to do is, oh, I need Adrissa. Come here, please. <laughs> yeah. Teach her about this. And I think that that's like a detail that number one. They don't explicitly say like it's her period, but mm -hmm. it is. I even yeah. looked it up because I was like, I don't yeah. want to say this in the podcast and be wrong. It is. Right. <laughs> so I feel like if you're not someone that experiences periods, you wouldn't know just by reading the book. You might skim that and like not mm -hmm. understand it. But it hit me immediately. Yep. I was like, that's yep. so awesome. I love yep. that so much. Yep. And I think that just shows how much he really did care about her, because if he didn't love her, she'd have to fend for herself on all of those aspects. And yep. He, I think his biggest flaw was that he respected Jin too much. And I mean that mm -hmm. because, like he said in Rogue One, you are my best soldier. I thought that you'd be fine. And she says, I was 16, but saw, respected her so much and saw so much in her as a fighter and as someone who could do Imperial codes as like a child. And he was just... He left her not because he didn't care, but because of his growing paranoia, which we see his mind. He's kind of losing his mind over time. Mm -hmm. And this starts after Stila dies in the Clone Wars. You can see that Saw is not well. Yeah. And by Rogue One, he's gone. He is not well at all. And he leaves Jin for her safety. But what he doesn't understand is she was still a child. Mm -hmm. And he thinks it's what's best for her because she can fend for herself, but she shouldn't have had to fend for herself. And I know that that came from a place of love and respect, but he abandoned her just like her father did. And that's just so hard to cope with. I can't imagine her issues, her like daddy issues, honestly, after losing two fathers. Oh, my God. Like, at least she knew her mom loved her. but. Oh, it's so horrible. I um I do love their little Grogu Mando relationship that they mm -hmm. have for the first few years, though. It's so she's so upset because she's like, oh, he gave me this shitty room, but she's the only one with privacy. He did that yeah. on purpose yeah. to care for her. And he didn't care about food. And she's like, oh, the food here sucks. But <laughs> he was feeding her, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's so, so good. So. Jin's view of Saw, she goes from fully trusting him to having doubts about him and his leadership after the Inusagi massacre, which is when Saw and his group goes into a festival, a beautiful festival with like flowers and a very Naboo feeling. Yeah. And they're introducing their new Imperial leads and they take flechette launchers, which are like little razor blades in a shotgun, basically. And they massacre everyone, civilian and Imperial. And Jin wasn't supposed to see it. She was supposed to stay on the ship and she didn't. And it's very gory how they describe it. There's blood everywhere. She loses one of her friends. Um, who was it? Sorry, one second. Oh, yeah. Maya, who gives her the synth skin gloves, which she like loves and cherishes forever. Mm -hmm. But... It really shows that Saw's partisans are extremists and they are mm -hmm. terrorists, even though they're on the right side. And it's very interesting to see. I also just went and saw uh, Last Jedi yesterday in theaters mm -hmm. and um, that whole part where um, 
what's his name? The guy with the the like snake sound. Yeah. DJ? Is his name DJ? Yeah. Where DJ talks about um being good on the side of good and the side of bad is a matter of perspective. And you blow them up today, they'll blow you up tomorrow. And obviously the empire is much worse. They're fascists. They're horrifying. But when you see terrorist organizations in the rebellion killing innocent people, it does show how realistic this is as a war, I feel like, because there's never holy good and holy bad. There's good people and bad people on both sides of the war. We see that in Lost Stars with Diana being on the side of the empire, even though she is a good person. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so important for Jin to see, but it also causes her to be so jaded towards the rebellion. And another part that makes her jaded is the death of Akshay and Hatter because oh. they die in friendly fire, not mm-hmm. friendly fire, but kind of they're in the crossfire of yeah. a fight between the rebellion and the empire and their ship blows up. And Jin at this point, she's like, I hate the rebellion too. I hate all of it because it only brings me pain. And that's such an important aspect of her character leading up to Rogue One, because she does have to be convinced to be on the right side, you know? Right. I just think, I don't know. I think that's so important. And yeah, we yeah, see it, a lot it, of, yeah, you go, you go. Yeah, no, it's, you know, we see this like throughout the book too, is like she eventually just has to resort to doing whatever she can to get what she needs to survive. And at that point, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who she's working for. She's just kind of like, none of this should matter as much as it does. And it really just shows you that like this war between these two quote unquote sides is just so destructive. And so like it's hurting everyone. It's not just, you know, it's not just, oh, we have to take the empire down because they're bad. Or it's not just, you know, the rebels are, are doing all good things. It's like everyone, as Cassian says in Rogue One, everyone has to do things may not be considered good um, mm-hmm. in, in the black mm-hmm. and very black and white definition of good or evil because everyone's just trying to make the galaxy better. However, they might yeah. view that as whatever better means to whatever point of view you have. Um, and, you know, Jin is just in that moment, she's kind of like, this is what happens when two sides are against each other like this is everyone exactly. loses. Exactly. And not only does everyone lose, but everyone is betraying and backstabbing each other. Yeah. We see that Saw Saw kills one of his partisans or leaves him to the Empire. I'm not sure what he does because he (laughs) believes um, he believes that that person has betrayed them. And he tells Jin, I did not betray you. And we don't really know, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. And it was Saw's paranoia because we find out who did actually betray them like the next chapter. But Saw's biggest fear is being betrayed and that betrayal affecting Jin. But then at the end of the book, we see Jin betraying rebels that trust her on an odd job that she does to make money. She literally betrays rebels and turns them in for money. Mm -hmm. And we saw her doing odd jobs like the slaver ship, but she did the right thing on the slaver ship. She freed the slaves. And so you think oh, this Liana, who's Jin's um, alias, she she's still doing good by the galaxy, even though she's not a rebel. But these rebels trust her and she takes their trust and turns it in for money that she doesn't even get. And that's how she ends up on Wobani. And that's where we see her at the start of Rogue One. But her hope is so lost that she can't even stop her cellmate from killing themselves mm-hmm. because she has nothing to say to offer them hope. So we see her downfall completely and there is a redemption, but Jin has lost herself by the end of this book. How do you feel about that? It, I, again, it's so important for setting up or even just adding context to Rogue One because, um, you know, this book is kind of like we see her downfall in terms of like her belief that anything is even worth hoping for. Mm-hmm. We just She's at the bottom of that by the time we get to the end of this book. And Rogue One is kind of like, showing how she kind of climbs back up that ladder and she's like she finds hope in bringing hope to other people that's how it ends for her but you kind of have to like you in you know a story like this you have to go really low before you can bring the character back up to the point they need to be at and like Mm -hmm. it's it's so unfortunate that this book has to end 
with Jin just in the worst possible place. Um, oh my God. Yeah. But, you know, there there is literally hope in knowing that despite the way that her life ends, despite the sacrifice that she ends up making for, you know, the galaxy as a whole, the fact that she was able to get back to a place where she was like this, I'm going to do this because the galaxy can be better. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's why, you know, you watch Rogue One, you come to this book, you read it, and then you watch Rogue One again. It's like, it's all connected in such an important way. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. I am very adamant about saying that Star Wars books add so much to the universe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not in the sense that you have to read every single one to understand Star Wars or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. books just make you understand the themes from different characters' perspectives in such a deeper way. Like I understand Star Wars so much more having read so many of the books than I had really before that. Because Mm -hmm. before, you know, I really got into the books, Star Wars was just like a a cool story to me. Like it it meant a lot (laughs) to me. And like being younger, you know, you don't always have as in-depth of an understanding of all of the deeper themes, which is just how it is. But Mm -hmm. reading the books is really like you see because the themes come back again and again and again in different stories with different characters, you really get it. And that's why this book is just like, you see this character in such a terrible place, but you know things will get better for her as much as they can. Yeah. 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 And it ending this way is just like, oh, like, I just want to give her a hug. (laughs) I know. I know. And oh my gosh, the very end of the book is her greatest fear being realized, which is people knowing she's Galen's daughter. Mm. Um, That's what they fought the entire novel to avoid. And then that's how it ends. But obviously that works out for her in the end. But I don't know. I am so sorry this whole episode has been all over the place. I just have so many little thoughts about different aspects of the book and I, they're all scrambled in my mind, but I completely agree. I, I've been a Star Wars fan my entire life and I'd read the novelizations as a kid. So like the OT and the prequels. And then, um, as like a teen and a, and young adult, I read like Bloodline and Phasma and that's about it. But then in 2020, that's when I started reading every book I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like you have to read them to be a fan because obviously I was a fan way before I got into the books. But like you said, they just add this level. The books are now my favorite pieces of Star Wars canon. Mm -hmm. I think that Dark Disciple and Lost Stars is some of the best Star Wars that Star Wars can be. And I think books like this take a character that I've always loved. I I said this to my boyfriend last night. I've always loved Jin. Since Rogue One came out, I thought she was so cool. I never let myself get attached to her because I know that she dies. She has one movie and then she dies. And I've never let myself make her a favorite character of mine. I was like, damn, after Rebel Rising, she's up there like for a favorite character because They added so much depth to her and she's so much more relatable. And I didn't want to get attached because she dies. (laughs) And like Leia dies, but Leia dies after six films and a million books and like endless content. And there's still so much more to be explored. And we see that in Kenobi. But Jen have her whole life in little pieces of canon And I did not want to get attached. And now I'm so attached. So if you somehow listen to this whole pod and haven't read the book, number one, sorry for the endless spoilers. But if you still want to read the book after this, you're going to love Jin so much more. And I'm sorry for that. (laughs) I'm so sorry because she is such an inspiration. Do you have any favorite quotes from the book? Oh, let me think No pressure if you don't. I was just curious. Um... You know what? Nothing comes to mind right now, but I will say mm-hmm. the things that the people throughout that people Jin meets throughout her life, the things that they say to her, the advice that they give, Ugh. it really sticks with you because it sticks with her. And like she remembers yeah. the things that people tell her. And I think that's such a, a good, you know, a, a sign of just like it just, you know, she had such a hard life, but she was so fortunate to come across people who really did care about her and really did mm-hmm. want her to be okay. And like that, that's shown in um, the things that they say to her, the way that they speak to her, the way that they make her feel like she matters. 
because, yeah. you know, she feels yeah. like she's just a person in the galaxy trying to, trying to survive. But like throughout her life, there are people who just make her feel like she's more important than that in a good way. And so good. So good. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of those quotes that comes to mind is she says it in Rogue One that Saw told her one fighter with a sharp stick and nothing left to lose can take mm-hmm. the day. That quote is repeated throughout the novel so many times. Yeah. And um, we learn that Saw first heard that from his sister, Stila. So Stila passed it to Saw and Saw passed it to Jin, who passed it to so many people in her life. And especially in Rogue One, that entire crew, she passed this almost mantra to them. And I think that that is so beautiful. And getting to see more about Saw and Stila and how Saw sees Stila in not only Adrissa, but in Jin as well. I think that she had such an impact on him. And I know he wishes she survived rather than him. And... I think that seeing how he was able to impact Jin through the lessons that he learned from his sister is so beautiful. Um, One of my other favorite quotes from the book is something small and broken can be really powerful. I believe they're talking about kyber crystals, but that is Jin. She's a small girl and she has been broken by her entire life. Mm -hmm. She's so strong and so powerful at the end of the day. And she changes the fate of the galaxy and that little quote, I know it was on purpose. I'm not like reading into this literary. I mean, that's the most basic interpretation you can make, but I love it. I don't care. I don't care if it's yeah. basic. It's such a good quote. Like It is. Yeah, I, I believe it's about kyber crystals. I should have taken more notes rather than just writing the quote down, but I was driving. So, <laughs> so I could only do so much, but I... um I wasn't driving and writing, by the way, guys. I made Siri take a note of that quote, I promise. But (laughs) yeah, I think there's so many little lessons she learns that encapsulate her as a whole. Now that I've spoken for so long, are there any final points or notes that you want to touch on before we round this out? I think even if Rogue One is not your favorite Star Wars movie, like even if it's not in your top five, like reading this book might change that for you. I think reading this Mm -hmm. book might change the way you feel about Jin, about the things that she's been through, even about the state of the galaxy at this time Mm -hmm. in the timeline. And so like, if, you know, there are so many different ways to read a book. If you don't, if you aren't sure if you want to read it, you can listen to it. Listening to books still counts as reading. The audiobook is great. (laughs) Um, I, I think this book is really, really worth your time. And it doesn't matter if it's classified as YA, if that's not your thing. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, genre is just a marketing thing, really. I think this book is just so much better than I think it gets a lot of credit for. Um, I think it just falls under the radar a lot of the time. And I think that needs to change. I think more people really should give this book a try because it, it, it has been in my top five since I read it four years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and for other books not to knock that out of the top top five mm-hmm. because there've been a lot of good books since then there were before and since then but it, it continues to be good and having you know reread it just now there's a reason it's still in my top five it's so important yeah. and it's so yeah. heartbreaking and so read it if uh if you haven't even if you've listened to this whole thing and if you, you've been spoiled <laughs> I think as much as I personally don't love being spoiled even if I know the plot of a book there is something to still reading it anyway, because you get so much more out of it. You do. So yeah, definitely read this book. We definitely did not go as in depth as the book is. We touched on plot points. I cannot even begin to explain how good those plot points are and how deep they go. And I completely agree. I literally finished the book and I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, holy shit, that is one of my new favorite Star Wars books. That is a hard, like top five to crack. I've read a lot of them in the last two years and there's books I absolutely adore. I love The High Republic. I don't think any of them are in my top five though. Yeah. And I love them with my whole heart. So this is like a big compliment for us both to be saying it when we're both big Star Wars book people. Go read this book. Also, I think it's so awesome that the two standalone films, which are Rogue One and Solo, 
have such good companion books with Most Wanted and Rebel Rising. I think that's so awesome. Like, I even if you're not a big fan of Solo, Most Wanted is a banger and it makes you love Solo so much more because it explains Kira and Han's relationship and what they went through to they kind of just went through all this trauma together growing up. And it shows why they're so interconnected and why they can't separate their feelings even as adults. And then this one, oh my God, they're both Mm. heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. This one much more than most wanted, but I think it's so awesome that the standalones have little companion books. I'm a huge fan of the novelizations, but Mm -hmm. because they add so much. They do. They add so much to the movies, but these little kind of prequel books, I don't know. They're bangers. There's some of the best work I think has been done in Star Wars. And I love that. Yeah, they 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 really are. Most Wanted is also still in my top five. And I really need to reread yes. that one as well because I haven't read it <gasps> since it came out. But also, fun fact, and I won't spoil <laughs> anything, but if you have not read the solo, no- solo novelization and you like Jin Erso, you might <gasps> consider mm-hmm. reading that novelization to the end. And that's all I'll say mm-hmm. about that. I second that. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Most wanted. Do you want to share your top five? Actually? I just realized oh, I could ask do you. Do I that. even know what they are? You know, probably <laughs> it's probably not as hard as I'm thinking it is. It's, it's definitely, I don't know if this is just top five, top five. It's not like in ranking order, but it yeah, has same, to be same. for me. Rebel rising for sure. Most wanted. Ahsoka is in there because Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Um, Probably, honestly, Bloodline. And then I also have to go with Phasma because Phasma is also one of my favorite characters um, in the fact that she has her own entire book where you learn not as much about her as you would expect um, in the best (laughs) way possible. It's great. So I love that. I love that. I think mine is, since it's my first Star Wars book episode, I feel like I can share Uh, Lost Stars, which I talk about, I think in every episode of Night Sisters, I'm I'm sick (laughs) It's it's all I think about every day. Lost Stars, Dark Disciple, Rebel Rising, Most Wanted, I think. And oh, this is so hard. It's a tie and I'm going to count them as one book, which is cheating. It is a tie between Leia, Princess of Alderaan and Bloodline. Oh, you know um, what? I'll count that. It counts. because it's, <laughs> They're both Claudia, you know. <laughs> yes. And also it's Leia at different, very formative points in her life. Yeah. I'll yeah. allow it. Oh, I love it. I, as much as I love Han and Kira, I say this all the, oh, sorry. Wow. I misspoke. As much as I love Han and Leia. <laughs> wow. I already spoiled it. I'm a huge Han Kira shipper and I'm a huge Leia Kier shipper, which is her boyfriend in, not boyfriend, her love and Leia Princess of Alderaan. And I think those two love interests are so perfect for them. That they couldn't be together forever because it's too perfect of a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan of those those love interests for sure. But okay. Well, before we go, I did want to talk about something. So the reason I actually picked up Rebel Rising as my next book that I read was because we have a huge group of Star Wars podcasters led by followers of the Force, which is Meg's podcast, have been working on a fundraiser for abortion rights and it's called what choice in the kind of figurehead and uh, mascot I feel of the entire fundraiser has been gin mm-hmm. and it's put me in a very gin mood over the last month of trying to cope with some horrible things that are going on and a lot of stress and it made me want to read more about her life but I wanted, because I have Meg here, I wanted, do you have anything you'd like to say about how everything started or how we're doing with the fundraiser? Do you have any thoughts about what choice that you'd like to share? So we really haven't like publicly told the quote unquote story of how this happened. Um, so I will, I will tell it now. It's, it's short. Um, you know, th- this all happened on a Friday. Um, hmm. Somehow I was lucky enough to not be working that day. <laughs> and um you know, it was about it was about lunchtime for me when I first saw on Twitter what had happened. Yeah. And I I am not very good at sitting with feelings like anger. I I don't like sitting with emotions like that because it's it's very hard for me to like 
I am a, I am someone who just needs to do something um, with the emotions mm-hmm. that I'm feeling. I need to take that and put it, channel it into something. Um, and Rachel, another of our co-hosts and followers of the forest, um, she's she's very involved in activism in the real world, as they say. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot that you can do online, but there's also things you can do uh, in, in person um, when you can, when there's not reasons why you may not want to be in large groups of people. <laughs> so I knew that she was very... Um, she had a lot of experience in organizing campaigns and things like that. And I I really felt like I don't want to just sit here and watch this happening. I feel like we need to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, not too long ago, um, a group of fans, a group of Star Wars fans got together um, and formed Amidala Helps, mm-hmm. which is a, similar to What Choice, but they came first. <laughs> Shout out to them. Yeah, they they really brought a lot of people together and put together this fundraiser for trans youth and their families. So they were a huge inspiration just for me and kind of just all I did was I thought they did that and it's it's still ongoing and it was still ongoing um at the at the time that we uh formed what choice and I I really thought mm-hmm. um we can do more. Um you know, fa- the fandom can come together and like make a difference like that. And so I messaged Rachel and I was like, I, I don't know what this could look like, but um, I feel mm-hmm. like we need to do something and I want to try to organize something and I want to do a fundraiser. I don't know exactly what for, but I want to do something. And she was pretty much just like, let's do it. And the idea of calling it What Choice really happened because of her. She's a huge that. Rogue One fan. She's a huge Jyn Erso fan. She cosplays as her and Ray. Um, but... <laughs> Really, I you're trying to think of a name for it. And I was like, well, this is all about the right to choose. Um, so why not call it what choice? Mm-hmm. Because I, I really am tearing up now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there are times when you really have to ask yourself, like, is this thing worth fighting for? Like, can I make a difference? And so often the answer is yes, especially yeah. when you know that, like, you don't have to do it alone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, we formed this because we knew that there were so many in this community who weren't going to just sit around and watch this happen. Um, so that's why we really wanted to do it. And we brought in as many people as we could. And, you know, this is this is so many of us, you know, were able to come together and make this happen. And currently, I think we have raised 46,000. Oh. Um, we're, we're making a push oh, awesome. to get to 50K. And but even, you know what, it's so amazing to me that we've been able to do that and it's there are I don't even know how many people I don't know how many donations we've had I don't know how how many people have you know done raffles and things like that like that but the um, the number of people that have been able to make this happen is huge yeah and you know this is not just one person or group of people coming together it's all of us and really the inspiration behind that was Jen. It was knowing mm-hmm. that like sometimes it's worth fighting for. I love that so much. I'm so glad to have you on to talk about it because I mean, so it's kind of funny. I don't know if it was you that messaged me from the followers of the Force account, mm-hmm. um, but I logged on to Twitter literally to make a post to try and fundraise. Mm-hmm. I logged on the Night Sisters account. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and say something. I have a very, very small following, but I want to do something. I feel sick and I want to do something. And as I'm typing out my posts, I see the little message notification. And it was a message from the followers of a force account telling me about what choice and just asking. Um, again, I, I don't know if that was you, but uh, like, do you want to be in the group chat? We're going to do live stream. This is what we're doing. It's like, oh, thank God, I am not organized like to actually set this up myself. And I had no one to do it with. I don't even have a co-host. So I was like, (laughs) thank the Lord. And you guys had already done so much work with the like, I mean, I joined the group chat an hour later. There were graphics being made. There were videos being made. It was just so amazing to see you guys work so fast and so hard to get this done. And. I was crying the whole day, number Mm. one, from just being upset, but then feeling so proud of the Star Wars fandom. We raised, what was it, 45K the first weekend? Yeah, it was, it was, it it was a huge amount. (laughs) It was was a huge, it was a stupid amount, like in the best way possible. (laughs) 
And we did the live stream and just seeing seeing everyone's faces. I think that there's so much removal when we all do podcasts and yeah. don't always get to see each other or interact on Twitter and not always see each other and being able to see everyone's faces and talk to them about how this is affecting them for real. And it, oh, it was heartbreaking, but so important for me and for, I'm sure the viewers, I, Night Sisters, of course, is a podcast dedicated to women specifically, but this is not a women's only issue. Of course, since the podcast is about highlighting women uh, and this does affect a lot of women, that's going to be the perspective of Night Sisters. But I really love that what choice has been so explicit that this affects trans men and non-binary people and so many people outside of women. The language that you guys purposely used Mm -hmm. was so inclusive and so meaningful. And I'm so grateful to be in a part in a group that's not turfs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like uh, (laughs) to be, to be very straight up about it. I, uh, I didn't know a lot of the people in the what choice group chat. So when I first was added in, I know you. Mm -hmm. And so I trust you, but I was a little, little nervous at first. And then immediately seeing the language being used and all of that was such a relief. Um, I just love you all. I gr- I've grown so much love for so many people I'd never mm-hmm. spoken to before in the few weeks since this has happened. I'm just so grateful for you and Rachel and all the work you've done. It's mind blowing to me. Just it's, thank um, you. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who has donated, who has shared, who has talked about mm-hmm. this on their shows. It it makes a difference. I mean, look, just look it's not about the number, but look at the number mm-hmm. and see how all of those smaller contributions added up. Exactly. You know, and there there is a benefit to getting together with so many different people. You know, the whole reason for that chat is the Twitter chat that we had um, to organize all of this is to have these different perspectives and to have this conversation and to be reminded and like, as we were um, working on the messaging and things like that, like there's always someone there to check, like, is this language inclusive? Is this, is anyone being left out? Can we word this better? Because it does matter. Mm -hmm. Even when you have the right intentions and you do want to include anyone, a single phrase can exclude someone, even when that's not your intention. And that's why you have to, you know, include as many people as you can in organizing mm-hmm. these things because there are mm-hmm. people to say, hey, we can word this in a way that doesn't leave this very essential group of people out. We couldn't have done it without the group that we had. We couldn't have, um, yeah. you know, accomplished what we did, especially in having that messaging that this is is a women's issue, but it's not just exclusively a women's issue. Exactly. And exactly. I'm so grateful for the fandom because as often as you do see, you know, negative things and people being excluded and things like that, like it's things like this that remind you that there are a lot of genuinely good people here who mm-hmm. want to make not just the community, but the world a better place. Um, the reason I'm involved in the community at all is because of those people, is because of people who are in it because Star Wars is about fighting for a better world, fighting for a better galaxy. Yeah. And we can take that message and bring it into our world and kind of say like, we can do something about the things that are happening that are not okay. And that's why yeah. we did this. And, um, you know, we'll continue to do it. We'll continue to, you know, even when our specific fundraiser ends, um, we will mm-hmm. continue to promote other fundraisers. We'll, we will continue to do what we can for other causes and make sure that everyone's fandom and who they represent in the larger world is taken care of because it matters. Because, you know, being a Star Wars fan is not, it's so much about loving these stories, but it's also about how we can take that and use our love of Star Wars to make the world better. That's really what oh, it's yeah. about. That you know? is, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's a running joke that the Star Wars fandom is the worst people in the world, you know? <laughs> They're awful. They're the worst. And in, in some ways, that's right. It's true sometimes. I am so endlessly impressed by how many people stepped up. And even if we didn't raise this amount of money, it, it's not about the money. The amount of people that showed their support and their love was super eye-opening for me. And I, I will love this fandom until I die. I've been in it my whole life, but I've never 
respected it as much as I did um, seeing this. And there was backlash. We all got it. Mm-hmm. We got nasty DMs and nasty comments. Um, but that is so outweighed by the love that we got. I feel like personally, yeah. um, I'm endlessly impressed and I'm so grateful for you and Rachel and the rest of followers of the force and everyone else that participated um, for creating a space where we could do this. So thank you. Thank you for being yeah. on today. <laughs> I'm so happy to talk about this book with you. I remember in my interview with you, you brought up the the super beautiful cover you have. And <laughs> that kind of got me reinterested in Rebel Rising. And then all of this pushed me to read it. Um, I actually ordered that book, that cover. It's coming next yes. week. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. I really appreciate having you on. I would love for you to talk about your new podcast really quick before we go, and then I'll let you go. Yeah. So I've had a, a Star Wars books podcast kind of in the works for a while. Um, you know, Star Wars books are so important to me and so important to who I am and, you know, what I stand for and what matters to me. And I I love podcasting and I love Star Wars and I love talking in depth, not just about these stories, but about the people who are making them and the people who are also also reading them and loving them. And so uh, sometime soon, I don't have a date yet, but I will very soon. I am launching a Star Wars books podcast called uh, Now This Is Lit. Um, Such a good name. <laughs> it, I, that My husband came up with that name and I take zero credit for it. Um, I went to him one day and I was like, hey, you've named one podcast. Can you maybe help me name this one? Oh and my God. <laughs> that became an option. And I was like, that's, that's the one. That's it. Uh, so... The podcast, it will be a lot of different things. It will be book discussions, maybe some kind of form of book reviews, but also interviews, not just with authors, but with um, fans who are also reading the books and what books mean the most to them and what books have inspired them and what books have motivated them to create their own projects. But also um, the people who are creating the books, not just writing the books, but, you know, editing the books and you know, involved in the behind the scenes of the official books, the comics, doing the art. Um, I would love to have people come on to talk about their fan fiction. You know, Star Wars mm-hmm. stories come in so many different forms. And I really just, to my knowledge, there's really not a podcast that celebrates all Star Wars books as, you know, weighted in the same, like, we love Star Wars books. We're here to talk about yeah. all of them. It's it's canon, it's legends, it's comics, it's everything. I love it, that. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the plan is. And it's, you know, I have I have a couple interviews in the works of being set up now. Um, it's it's really exciting. And it's something I'm I've wanted to do for a very long time and just really didn't have um, uh, the space to do it. And na- mm-hmm. now is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the time is now. <laughs> so uh, keep an eye out for that um, it is coming very soon. I wish I had a date for you, but I don't want to announce a date and then it's not ready yet. That is so fair. Yeah. So just um, you will hear about it. I promise I will, I will make <laughs> sure that I'm yelling about it on all of my spaces. So yeah, I'll be boosting it on Night Sisters as well. I'm about to be your biggest fan. I cannot <laughs> wait. Literally the other day I was talking to my boyfriend. Sorry for bringing him up so much, but I was like, man, because I was thinking about Star Wars book podcasts and I was like, I'm super glad that I've picked the path that I have chosen, which is women of Star Wars. And that will be books written by women. It's like, I wish there was like a place to talk about Kevin Scott and Charles Soule and all of that. And then I was like, oh, I'm so excited to listen to Meg's podcast. I like remembered it yes. existed. It's <laughs> like, hell yeah, I'm going to yes, listen to that. Yes, I'm and so you can ready. listen. And you know what? You can also be a guest. We'll pick up book. Oh, you can come on it. and we will talk about <laughs> All of the things. And that's, you know what? There are so many book fans out there who just want to mm-hmm. talk about books. And this is <laughs> the space where we're going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to have the time and energy for all of this, but you know what? Star Wars books are important. And so we're going to make it happen. You're going to kill it. I'm so excited. There's also a new episode of Starboard Dawn, correct? There Coming is one sooner. in the works. It, you know what? Oh, yes. The okay. Podcast, <laughs> no, it, it's coming. The podcast has just been on hiatus for a while. I moved last year. A lot of big life mm-hmm. changes happened. It is time to bring it back. You don't want to know why, because the podcast is about Star Wars and hope. And we all need a whole lot of hope in this world yes. right now. So it's coming yes, back again. I don't know when, but we're just going to say soon. And hopefully that's <laughs> enough motivation for me to get it going again. 
I feel you. I took a hiatus for a month after celebration because I was so tired from celebration. So I totally, oh. I was unplanned hiatus too. That was really bad on my part, but hey, I totally you know get it. it. It happens. I think the most important thing that a podcaster comes to realize at some point is like taking breaks is the most valuable thing you can mm-hmm. do because mm-hmm. like you can't make your best thing when you're not at your best. And I will say yeah. from my experience also, celebration just knocked me out. I was just done with everything for a while after that. So celebration is if you ever have the opportunity to go highly recommend it, but just know that Mm -hmm. when you do that, do not plan to do anything (laughs) major for the next like three weeks after because you will just not be yourself. It is, it is fun, but it is nonstop and it is exhausting. And also don't get married at celebration because that just adds (laughs) so many layers of exhaustion to the experience. Oh my God, congrats. But also I cannot imagine. It It was, you know, all I'll say is the way that it ended up happening is we did the thing. And then an hour later, we were standing in line to get into celebration on the first day. And Stop. that's just the kind of edge in my life I tend oh, to live on sometimes. My God, that's so incredible. That actually just made my day. I did not know that fact. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, oh you know, I have no regrets, but also if you can somehow plan to it to not be like that I would highly recommend (laughs) planning planning differently oh my god well thank you so much for being on here uh if you want to give your socials where everyone can find you then we can we'll call it a day (laughs) yeah uh you can follow me on twitter at meg dowell that's where you're going to find everything if I I will say this if I have a project I will promote it there um you will Mm -hmm. you will not you will not miss it. So follow me there. There's That's where you'll get my podcast episodes, my random tweets about Bo-Katan and the Darksaber and books. It's where you'll get, um, if I write a thing, which happens occasionally, you'll find it there. So that's the best place where you can find the links to all of the things if you want to follow me. If you don't, you know, that's okay too. It's really up <laughs> to you. And I am at Maddie underscore Amadala on everything. You can find this podcast at Night Sisters Pod. But if you're listening, I'm sure you already know that. Thank you guys so much for uh, being here and listening and for sitting through this very unorganized on my part. (laughs) First episode of a book series. I am so excited to talk about more books written by women. And I hope you guys join me and I promise I will get better at it. Thank you all for listening. I can't wait to cover more Star Wars books written by female authors on this podcast. I really hope you all enjoyed this change of pace. May the force be with you. Bye.